I had a student one time approach me and they said, Father, I feel like you're judging me. You know it's wrong to judge. I, with my face tilted and a bewildered look on my face, responded, what do you mean? Only to hear, I don't know, I just feel like you're judging me. Still confused, I said, well, can you help me understand a little bit? Is there something you can point to that would make you feel that way, something I did? The student responded, no, not really. I stood there for a moment. I smiled back and I asked, well, why are you judging me that I'm judging you? The student quickly in an assuring voice responded, I'm not judging you, Father. And then I changed the subject. The two unforgivable sins according to the modern world, the thou shalt nots of the modern commandments nowadays, thou shalt not offend, and thou shalt not judge. Besides John 3.16, I would argue that one of the most quoted Bible verses in the world is the one we hear from our Lord Jesus today in the Gospel. Stop judging. Or maybe the more modern paraphrased version that you've all heard, I'm sure, maybe even said, don't judge me. Despite its popularity and usage, I would also argue it's one of the most misinterpreted passages of the Bible, used out of context far more than it's ever used in its right context. I would like for us to consider something thinking back to the story I began with. If we mean, when we say, don't judge me, as a way to refer to that action that's been done to us, namely that I've been judged, we're really contradicting our own words. You know, what's behind these words is a self-justification of what we would call moral relativism, which means simply this, we cannot make any judgment on anyone's actions. What's morally right to me is right to me. What's morally right to you is right to you. Don't judge what I do. But what's interesting is that precisely when someone says, don't judge me, they're making a judgment themselves about what you're doing. And what they're really saying is, you judging me is bad, is wrong. But if we're not supposed to judge one another because whatever you think is morally right is right to you, and whatever is morally right to me is right to me, then how can you tell me not to do something? To use Jesus' words in this way is illogical, and it doesn't make sense. And so if I say, don't judge me as to mean, don't judge what I'm doing as bad, then I'm contradicting my own words. I'm making a judgment that judging is bad. Now, on top of that, let's read Jesus' words in context. Let's consider the words that follow. He says this, Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So Jesus commands his disciples, you and me, to forgive. May I ask you a question? What does forgiveness imply? It implies that someone has morally wronged us. It implies that there was a moral standard that was broken. It implies that some bad action has been done to us. We can only forgive someone if they've sinned against us. 
And so we see that Jesus is not a moral relativist. He's a good Jew, firstly, and he's God. And so he knows the commandments, and he knows that to break the commandments is a sin, is to do wrong. So Jesus' words of stop judging are in the context of forgiveness. And forgiveness presupposes right and wrong. The ability to judge actions. The ability to judge whether an action is in need of forgiveness or not. So now, what does Jesus really mean then? Why does he say, stop judging and you will not be judged? Our Lord is not telling us that we cannot judge the moral value of an action, but rather we cannot pass judgment on persons. There's a distinction to be made. We can make a judgment on an action, but not on persons. I'll give you an example. We cannot judge the state of someone's soul. We cannot judge their subjective culpability for an immoral action. We cannot judge the state of someone's eternal destiny. Only God does those things. Maybe a modern phrase that most of you probably know kind of helps us with this understanding of Jesus' words. I'll say the first part of it. I'm sure you can finish the second. Hate the sin. Love the sinner. We should, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should be haters. We should hate sin. We should hate injustice. We should hate immorality. But we should love sinners. We should love persons and not pass judgment on people. You may say, Father, you're getting really heated about this. Why is such a big deal? Because I think this mantra of society of don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me, is just a subtle attempt to do away with any sort of right or wrong to do away with any sort of morality, to do away with judging particular moral values of actions. In short, y'all, it's to do away with the reality of sin. And this is where we find our trouble. Why? Because when we deny sin, we deny the very mission of Jesus Christ. When we deny sin, we undermine the very purpose of why the Son of God became man, suffered, was crucified, died, was buried, and rose on the third day. To deny the existence of sin is to deny the mission of Christ. We get into some troubled waters. Pope Pius XII in 1946 sent a radio message over to some participants who were participating in a catechetical conference in Boston, Massachusetts. His words to the catechists, the people who were entrusted with handing on the faith, this is what he said. He prophetically said, perhaps the greatest sin of the world today is that men and women have begun to lose the sense of sin. Let me repeat that. Perhaps the greatest sin in the world today is that men and women have begun to lose the sense of sin. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we cannot fall into this trap. We cannot let the momentum of the denial of sin 
the enculturation of moral relativism, the false interpretation of don't judge me, continue as though it is truth. Because Jesus is truth. And Jesus came to save us from something. His very name means God saves. Sin is that which made us enemies and makes us enemies of God. But thanks be to God, he loves his enemies. He prays for his persecutors. And he gave his life for sinners. You ever wondered why we begin every Mass with calling to mind our sins? It sounds like a very depressing way to begin our worship service, right? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Everyone acknowledge your sins. We do that because we recognize why we're here. We recognize that it's a reality in our world, and we recognize that we have hope. You see, we don't begin Mass with despair. We begin it with hope because we have a Savior. My brothers and sisters, our God is merciful. But to be merciful does not mean to deny the reality of sin because, let's think about it, mercy implies sin. Mercy assumes sin. It doesn't brush it aside and act like it doesn't exist. Mercy acknowledges sin and does something about it. Now with that understanding, we hear Jesus' words again, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And we can substitute that as acknowledge sin and do something about it. Just like your Father has acknowledged sin and done something about it. This is the great message of hope, that God has done something about our waywardness, our wickedness, our sinfulness. And his forgiveness draws us closer to himself. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we cannot fail to have a keen sense of sin in our world, to call it out where it is, so that we can do something about it. So we can judge actions and not people, so as to bring them closer to salvation. And also, so that we can remove the very obstacles that keep us from total communion with our loving and merciful Father.